welcome to the Financial Planning for Canadian Business Owners podcast. You will hear about industry insights with award-winning financial planner and entrepreneur, Jason Pereira. Through the interviews with different experts with their stories and advice, you will learn how you can navigate the challenges of being an entrepreneur, plan for success, and make the most of your business and life. And now, your host, Jason Pereira. Hello, and welcome to Financial Planning for Canadian Business Owners. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Dave Sinclair of Business Transitions Plus. Dave is a author and advisor, or should I say consultant, that helps people cope with the mental aspects and challenges of transitioning from business owner to retiree. And he's going to share with us his personal journey, as well as what it is he does for people. And I will share my stories, too, about seeing just how frequent this kind of problem happens. So with that, here's my interview with Dave. Dave, thanks for taking the time today. Oh, thanks for having me here today, Jason. I'm excited to speak with you. Well, I'm, I'm excited to have you on uh, for various reasons because the message that you have is one that I share with every business owner who is running so hard and so fast that they can't, they see a finish line, but they don't realize it's not a, it's, it, that that line is more of a wall than it is a, 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 a ribbon. And you live that firsthand and you saw the downside of it. So that's kind of the teaser. Let you tell your story. So first of all, tell me about you and your backstory and then what it is you do. And this is going to be, it's a long, it's a long question, but spill your, spill your guts. <laughs> exactly. It's always, it's always interesting. People say, you know what, what brought you here, Dave? Why do you do what you do? What do you do? And it's, it doesn't, I can't explain it without the backstory. So I'm going to try to keep it as brief as possible, but yeah, in short, you running, 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 running towards that ribbon, towards that ribbon. And that's really what it was all about. It was, about 10 years ago, that's jump to 10 years ago, I was a part owner of a, a small multinational. And I was that guy from the outside. I was that guy, Jason, that looked like I had it all. You know, I was, I was hustling. I was doing all that, all the buzzwords, making tons of money, had all the trappings, had the nice house, the beautiful car, had the lavish vacations, running, 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 running. But what do you think I didn't have, Jason? Purpose? Meaning beyond the job? Um, yeah, well, that's it. Purpose, meaning beyond the job. You know, I was I was hiding in this job, and really, what I didn't have is I didn't have any sense of balance of who I was outside this work. Okay, so here I am. I'm kind of running, running, running. Ten years ago, and life is kind of like I was seventy pounds overweight. I was stressed out. My marriage was in shambles. My family life was like holding on by an edge, and I really didn't have an idea of where this was going, what was going on. Being part of this uh, small multinational, you know, this small company, I. I ended up just blaming all my problems on just working too hard in the business. You know, my problems on, well, I can't find the right people to support me. I can't find this stuff and all that stuff. I can't find anything. And what was me and all these problems? So <laughs> after some soul searching and maybe too many drinks one day, I finally decided, well, I'm going to pull the pin. If this is all my problems, I'm going to leave the business. So I did that. I left the business. Fortunately, I knew what the valuation of my shares were. We had did some other transactions actions with some other partners. So I, I'm not going to say, well, yeah, I kind of rather abruptly said, yeah, I got to leave this, this, this behind. So I left that behind and here's the problem when I left that behind. Yeah. It was like, you talk about this, you know, I was running, running, running. I was going a million miles an hour. All of a sudden, boom, bam, freight train into the existential brick wall. Mm -hmm. Who the hell am I? Okay. So that kind of hit me all of a sudden. I woke up one morning Jason, I was no longer getting all these pings in my inbox. I was irrelevant. I was no longer needed. Okay. And at that point, you're thinking, well, you've got all this time, you've got energy, you can do all this stuff. Well, what did I fill my time with? 
more work. Drinking more. Oh, uh, even worse. Just, Sorry, apologies. I, yep. Yeah, no, it's good. Well, I found myself getting busy. The first thing I did to get rid of the pins in my inbox, and this will kind of be sound kind of funny and almost sad at the same time, is I got a Gmail email address and I started signing up for things online so I would get pings in my inbox. Okay, you know all those spam emails you get. Well, all of a sudden yeah. I was getting some purpose from that because my my inbox is going off spending more time just figuring out, ruminating, wondering what the hell am I going to do? Who am I? Led me further down this path, the point where I ended up checking into an addictions treatment center about three months into this so-called golden age of my, uh, my uh, life moving forward, this rebuild of my, I was 40 when this happened, you know, when I sold out and did all this stuff, I had no idea who I was. So I, I checked into this uh, center. It was a mean purpose uh, facility. It's actually somewhere I think people, addictions or not, just go away for a little bit and figure out who the hell you are outside the business. First book I read on all this stuff, most relevant book I read was Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Mm-hmm. Okay. And quickly I started to put the pieces together and story short, you know, it was taking that step back, trying to figure out who I am outside the business. That's really what kind of started turning things around for me and realizing I'm not that unique. The amount of business owners that were in there, career professionals that were struggling with the same identity question, right? And I'll circle this back. And this kind of circles back to what I do now. At the beginning, remember I was talking about this business that was this monkey on my back and I couldn't get people to help me out. And it just felt like I was burdened all the load. So I was just going to get rid of the business. Well, here's my theory on that. Even if the people were there, which they were there to help me out, I was so insecure in my identity outside the business that I wouldn't allow them to help me because I needed the business to need me. I needed the pings. I needed this stuff. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until later until I kind of checked in and figured out, hey, you know what? I can have a life outside the business. I can do all these things. And now that's what I do is I help business owners if they're basically getting ready to leave their business, what is it you're going to do outside the business so you don't hit your existential brick wall? If you're still running a business, when's the best time to plant a tree? Now. When's the second best time, you know, or one's time 10 years ago? When's the yeah. second best time now? So even if you're a younger business owner and this is resonating with you, what can you do to start making yourself redundant in the business? And I would go a step back further. How do you start understanding what you really want outside the business, what your identity is outside the business, who you outside the business, and use that as that tool to help you start doing this stuff to make yourself redundant? Because I don't think you're going to do it if you really are relying and your identity is so tied into the business. It's really hard to extricate yourself from the business when you are the business and that is your identity, that is your sense of purpose. I kind of talk about this. I joke about it. But at the same time, this is serious stuff. You know, I've seen this time and time again. We talk about surrounding ourselves with people smarter than us, Jason. Mm -hmm. We're terrified to do it. So step back. And that's what I help people with. Step back and really figure out who you are outside the business. So with that, a couple of big things. I mean, I always tell people that there's two retirement plans. The one that I worked on, which is the math one. And then there's yeah. the, the one for what are you going to do with all that time? And what I'm really trying to say there is you, there needs to be something about you beyond the business. Otherwise, you're going to go crazy. One of my clients was retired for all of six months before he was going so stir crazy that he bought another business, put his son in charge just to give him some place to go because otherwise he was, he was losing it. And I get it. The ping, the ping thing you mentioned, I mean, this is how, this is how we've been engineered now, right? You know, if you don't get the vibration in your pocket, you feel like you're not busy and, and stuff like that. So I totally get that. So I, I share that. And it's, it's so much, so much of this goes back to ego, right? Like you mm. are the business, the, the business success is you. And if the business success is you, 
and you are the core driver of that, how do you start sharing that if it is you, right? Like how do you start sharing those duties for responsibility and recognition if it is all you, right? And that's that's why so many people have such a difficulty in, in delegating. And I always, always say like, don't be so arrogant as to think that you are the best at every function of your business. That's, that's sheer hubris, right? Like you cannot be the best salesperson slash bookkeeper slash the uh, operating <laughs> part. Like it's, it's just, when you sit back and, and think about it, you're like, no, there's, yeah. there's, there's no way. Like, and not only that, it's maybe, maybe things get done differently, but do you ever stop to think maybe they get done better? <laughs> right. And then, and then what's the cost? And even if they're not, what's the cost on your life as you discovered? So yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard, especially when you start off early on and you know, it's a fight for survival, right? You're, you're wrapped up in this fight for survival and getting off that treadmill is just like so difficult. So tell me, you know, and I thank you for sharing that deeply intimate story because you share the dark side of what happens if you don't deal with these issues before, before you do it. And, you know, you mentioned Frankel. I mean, like how, how timeless is that work? And that man always needs to search for meaning, right? And, and purpose. And if we get it from one place and that purpose is gone suddenly, like how do you replace that if you didn't work on the you? So yeah, so thank you for sharing that. Let's talk about, first off, you help people with this. So I have yes. to think that the people you help first of all, recognize it as a problem. What happens in their life to help them recognize that there is a problem and that they know that they need help? Yeah, well, that, that's a good question. It can, it can come in various ways. Sometimes it's a health scare. Sometimes it's just overwhelm. And there's two types of health scares. There's the, the physical health scare where something happens and it's all of a sudden, oh crap, I'm not here anymore. Maybe I need to sell the business. Maybe I need to get the, the, the resources out of the business. Oh, there's multiple scares. The other type of health scare, of course, is the health scare, right? Just feeling overwhelmed and thinking, well, what am I going to do? And starting to just you know, have all this burden on top of you, all this anxiety. So there's those two types of things. I mean, there's, there's while well, you take a look at what's going on in the world right now, you know, how many business owners are wondering, oh boy, I wish I would have got things I wish I would have transitioned out of my company three, four years ago. Well, that, that is, that is true. I mean, that timing is everything, but you know, there's all kinds of things that kind of bring these thoughts to light. So the thing is the thoughts come to light is how do you take advantage of them? Like, what do you start doing to actually progress things forward? Because it, it takes a long time to get a decent plan in place, especially if your business is solely reliant on you. When these things happen, I, again, like it's typically takes, it's funny you ask that question because I wish they call it the $10 trillion opportunity in the US. This, this thing about people exiting mm-hmm. their business and uh, the tradition of health. And it's the best kept secret there is, especially for business owners. You, you don't know what you don't know. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you're the business owner who's just kind of trucking along there and you're making a decent living and what's, what's paint a picture, maybe you've got 20 employees and you're able to golf every Friday and do all these things and it's providing you a decent income and all that stuff. But there's still a lot of things in your head and you kind of hold all the keys. What's it going to take? I mean, at that point, you're living a pretty decent life. What's it going to take for you to realize that you're kind of sitting on a house of cards? I guess one question you can put out there, it's a Tom Dean's question. I think it's a Tom Mm -hmm. Dean's question. Tom's been on before. Uh, nice. Now, what, what legacy? I think he talks about this yeah. as well. Not, but what legacy do you want to leave? Do you want to leave a legacy of chaos for your family? Or do you want to leave a legacy where the business can continue? So, you know, what is it that you really want? So unfortunately, you ask the question, quite often it's, it's a scare. I'd have to ask the question, well, what the heck do we have to do so it's not a scare? For me, it was a scare too. I had to turn things around. I was just overwhelmed and stuff like that. But, you know, I guess what I'm saying, be a different way. So what if we start looking at it? This way, two questions. What if we start asking this? Number one, how is the business holding me back from living my ideal life, if it is? But I think more importantly is, how are you holding the business back 
from allowing it to support you to live your ideal life. That mm-hmm. to me is the key question. What do you need to do? And I think it comes back to that sense of identity. So, you know, it could, could be the person struggling with their family, what's going on, but what's it going to take? It's, it's unfortunate, Jason, usually it ends up being, oh yeah, well now my, now my better half is saying that they're going to leave if I don't change things. And now it's time to do stuff. Right. So quite often it's a, a it's an event, unfortunately. They call them the so trees, you know, was a death disability and uh, disagreement. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's how we deal with it. So, so that's how they trigger it. So someone comes to you, they realize they're in crisis or near crisis. Well, actually it's a better question. Are these people in crisis already? Usually they come and speak to you or are they people who basically are recognizing that they could be heading towards a crisis? I'd say typically it's, um, a little bit of both, but more the people that are in crisis already. That's kind of my, where I've been finding the people is more there. Mm. And at that point, it's almost like when you're in crisis, no matter how bad it is, when you're in crisis, it's that uh, catalyst to think, make things move forward. Yeah. So it's, it's, I mean, it's unfortunate, right? Like we, it's like so many things in life, right? Like we will ignore it until absolutely the last moment when we absolutely have to pay attention to it because now it's now it's too late. It's the old no one wants to buy insurance until the house is on fire and then it's too late. But you know, and hopefully, I like to I like to hope that the advisors out there, such as myself, are are out there basically coaching people on this. And I have done it. You know, it, it, I don't I don't find them in crisis, but I will I will often say like, what's the retirement plan beyond the retirement plan? Like, you know, what are you going to do with that time? Like, what are your hobbies? What are the things you do to find purpose? Like, if you think that you're going to never have traveled. And then you retire day one and suddenly you're going to take two trips a year and that's going to be fulfilling enough. Like, you know, first off, or let's say you could do five, six trips because that's what you really want to do. Have you spent that much time in airports? Do you really want to go through that? Right. And then that often. And, you know, how long is that going to last? Because after a certain while, just could get old, right? You get to get to the places you want to have seen probably and, and maybe you're done with it, right? If you're not someone who's lived that lifestyle before, then, I don't, then, then you're probably not going to want to live it afterwards. And then beyond that, it's like, you know, how much golf can you legitimately play, right? And what happens in the off season? And here's the other one, you know, the same client who basically bought that, bought that other business. He said, you know what? I found myself waking up, reading newspaper, having breakfast, sit back with my wife and discuss where we're going to eat lunch. And that was my day. You know, like that was my day. So it was before he had his grandkids were at a certain age, whatever it was. But yeah, the reality is, is that, you know, where do you find that? And I had another interview with um, Peter Merritt specifically talking about mechanisms for finding that beyond like charitable legacy. Like he talked about mentorship, right? Like your knowledge is valuable. And there, there's organizations out there that you could be members of this club you know, whether it be YPO or, uh, or um, what's the other one, uh, EO, like, uh, like there's a bunch of them that not only do they value the people who are currently there and, and doing this, but they form mentorship groups to basically keep you engaged, right? And, and to make you feel like you're valuable. Board work, I've seen clients take on board work. At least they have a place to go every quarter to, to basically do that. Or I even tell clients like, retirement doesn't mean you stop working. Retirement means you have the option to not work right. things you don't want to do. So maybe it's not full retirement. Maybe it's you're going in one, two days a week. Maybe it's to go do volunteer work. But the, the beauty of it is you have the luxury of doing whatever it is you want. So I typically find them before the crisis and hopefully I help them avert the crisis. They come to you hat in hand saying, I'm in trouble. How do you yeah. work through this? How do you get through this? all? Sure. Well, it, it comes back to kind of what you're talking about there. Ideally, again, best time to plant a tree 10, 15 years ago before the crisis. Yep. And at that point, you would have taken the time to practice retirement, okay? While you're building your business, which in turn will create more value. But I guess when you talk about when they come to me, when they're kind of in that crisis, and let's use the, 
common age person, someone comes to me, they're say 45 years old, okay? And they want to sell their business because they've had enough. They're in crisis. They're staring down their all of whatever, maybe, maybe addiction, maybe a poor family life, whatever it is. So what would I do with that person? Well, it's really, it's really them take a step back to figure out, okay, well, number one, where am I right now? Okay. What are the facts? What's going on? Where am I right now? What is this transition that I'd like to kind of put in place moving forward? And, you know, really taking a look at the situation of where they are right now, objectively, just the same way a reporter would do it. And then actually take a step back further and say, well, what am I telling me about telling myself about this? Right. Mm-hmm. So kind of getting into the thought and really helping them objectively see what the mental chatter is around it and what they're telling themselves. So where are they right now? Once they know where they are, well, then we can start setting our vision where they want to go. And by that, we start creating a well-rounded vision of all the different aspects of life that are important to them. And that's a key statement there. What's important to you? I quite often we think, well, this has to be this way. This has to be this way. I have to completely get out of the business or be in the business. No, it's not black or white, but whatever. It's very gray. So what's important to you from a work aspect, from a family aspect, recreation aspect, heck, even imagine where you're going to live. What do you really want? Okay. So create that well-rounded vision. And it's interesting. Once you start creating that well-rounded vision, Jason, well, then you start seeing that you've got purpose in all kinds of aspects of your life. And you start creating new purpose statements for each one of the aspects of your life. So now you know where you are, you know where you want to get to. The next thing we need to work on, well, how do you get there? So from that point of view, we start taking a look at, okay, well, I've got this vision. I know where I am. I've started to get this feeling that this could be a really purposeful, you know, there's a lot of purpose here. What I'm looking at, starting to get a little bit more passionate about where I'm going. Now the rubber needs to meet the road. We need to start putting an action plan in place. So what are you going to do? Start thinking strategically about how you're going to knock these things off. Uh, I follow the um, Jay Papazan and Gary Keller, the book one thing. I love their one thing question. What's the one thing that if I was to do it right now would have the biggest impact on my life overall? Break things down into easy, easy, actionable steps. Start building these healthy habits moving forward. One thing at a time. What's your morning routine? Okay, you're trying golf. What else can you try? I will reach out to my family, okay? Well, have you tried calling them? Have you set up a family? Like, what can you do? These all sound very simple, but really what we're doing is coaching people through different actions and building habits so they can create this ideal life outside the business. And once they have that, they know where they are. They know where they're going. They know how to get them. How do you stay on track? And that's where as a transition transformation coach, that's where someone like me really comes in is, you know, every couple of weeks we talk, chat. how are things going? How is this progress going towards your ideal life? This ideal transition, what are you noticing? And if I'm working with someone creating that business so they can transition to a new owner, how's your strategic planning going with this? So it's just kind of ongoing. What are you doing? Checking back in and re-going through those four questions. Where am I right now? Where do I want to go? How do I get there? How do I stay on track? So that's the core of my process is those four questions that I really kind of bring up in the book that I have coming out here right away. And really for a transition for your business that's operating, even for your ideal life, the process is much the same. It's taking that step back, taking a look at those four key questions, working through them on a continual basis because strategic planning or planning, you know, planning, not plan, planning. It's a verb. It's not a noun. It's, it's not once it's, you're done. I say this in the financial planning. It's a process. It's not a product, right? If you treat it like a product, you stop the benefits the second it gets to you, right? Like if you treat it like a process, it is a constantly iterative process. And it's, um, it's funny you talk about morning routines. Yeah. I mean, what's the saying? If you want to change the world, if you want to change the world, start by making your bed every morning. 
And it's, uh, uh, you have that great, great video. Yeah. yeah, great quote. So a lot of what you're talking about resonates with me and reminds me of something that I've recently discovered, which is the PERMA model of happiness. Uh, does that play into hmm. what it is you do? And if so, can you walk us through what PERMA is and how it applies? Yeah, sure. I've never been asked that question before, but you know, PERMA for sure, that's by Martin Sligman, one of the I guess, founders, I guess you could say, of, of positive psychology movement, just a fantastic mm-hmm. guy, good, fantastic work. So the Perna model really has five different parts to it. The first one is positive emotion. What is it that we can feel good about? You know, what is, what is there that kind of floats our boat? And the Perma model kind of builds upon that positive emotion. We, we hear a lot today about, uh, not as much as we used to, but, you know, just be positive, okay? Well, positive emotion isn't just that, but really tapping into that positive emotion, really feeling that positive emotion when it's there and even using things like gratitude to tap into that even more uh, is, is a powerful way to do that. But the more, you know, getting further into this, P is for positive emotion, E is for engagement. So engagement is kind of that being lost in the flow, really doing things that make you feel like you're in the moment. And these are these mini moments where time kind of stands still for you. And even for business owners, when you start asking them, it's kind of funny working with business owners. It's like, yeah, you know, what do you do that um, really kind of floats your boat? And been so busy building the business and so much has been wrapped up around that is have these hobbies. They don't have these things that they can kind of get lost in time. So this engagement portion is, you know, for the business owners, it's helping them find things, maybe even from when they were young, that really kind of floated their boat that they can start revisiting again. And it's kind of, it's really interesting when you start tapping into some things, it can be as simple as for a business owner, well, maybe I'll just spend some time walking out in nature. They haven't had time to do that things that they really like to do when they were kids, things that really engaged them and also gave them those positive emotions, start feeding upon each other. The next letter is R for relationships. You know, how important is it to have those positive, supportive relationships in your life? And for the business owner, again, this is where they can hit that brick wall. A lot of their relationships come from where? Employees? Business. business yeah, employees. Vendors. Yeah, vendors. Customers. So all of a sudden you don't have those relationships. What do you do? So again, for that business owner, it's practicing, you know, where do I find those relationships? What do I need to do? That was a big one for me. I'd cut myself off from a lot of uh, my most important relationships. And I've spent a lot of time over the last 10 years putting those in place. And I'm happy to say right now that that's, that's a key cornerstone to who I am now is my relationships, relationships with my wife, my sons, my, my family, my friends, you know, all these things, right? Um, Meaning. That's the M in PERMA, meaning that's a huge one. And that comes back to Frankel stuff, man, search for meaning. How do you find meaning? And Frankel would say there was three ways to find meaning in this world. The first way is in the works that we do, the things that we accomplish, the things we get done. So for business owners, we all know that. So much meaning in our business, okay? How else can we find meaning? Well, there's other ways to find meaning. And Frankel said there's two other ways, right? Another way is, hmm, well... By uh, finding meaning in beauty, in nature, in uh, art, in sport, in whatever it might be, just in that more recreational side of things. And the last way that he said to define meaning was, well, when you can't remove the conditions that cause your suffering, to actually find meaning in the suffering. So for a lot of the people that come to me, okay, in that point of crisis, what that means is, well, let's take a look. What has this situation taught you about what's important to you right now? You know, and they can find, start finding meaning in, well, you know, I was kind of estranged from my family, but it taught you what? I, I guess I really want to be closer to my family in the future. So what's the meaning in that? And now that we remove the cause of the suffering, 
you overwork or whatever it might be, you've got this opportunity to move forward. And the last one is accomplishments. And this is an important one. Don't get me wrong with what I'm saying. I love being a business owner. I, I love being able to help people out. And I even love to make money. I love all these. Things, okay. And it's okay to be fueled by accomplishments. That's perfectly fine. Right. Again, for a business owner, when the accomplishments are all they are, and all these other things aren't in, I don't use the word balance because balance has this connotation that why everything's perfectly balanced. No, no. Just touching on the fact that these things are important and understanding them and being aware of them is huge. So accomplishments are fine. You know, meaning, relationships, engagement, positive emotion. I love Slagman stuff. So I could talk about, I always have to kind of remember the different stuff. I can't, and don't take me verbatim as to what he was talking about with them, but that's just my take on them and how I apply them to the work I do with my clients. Does that answer the question, Jason? It does. And it's, I mean, I think most advisors who've seen people transition, business owners transition to retirement can totally relate to this. I often say that the um, you know, my business partner is very good at this um, in terms of being a, a, a hand to guide them through it. But the most stressful time when it comes to their investments for a client tends to be the couple of years leading up to retirement and the first couple of years in retirement. Because and mm. they think it's they think a lot of times they think it's it's monetary based. Like they're worried that they have enough. That's what they say. But you know, even after you disprove, after you after you prove there's enough, they still don't. They still have that anxiety. And when you start digging deep, you start finding it's it's the loss of identity really that's that's actually causing mm. the issue, right? I mean, don't get me wrong. There's it's the nerve wracking say a belief that okay, I've always had a paycheck coming in, and now that's going to stop. That is nerve wracking. I totally understand that. But when you start to dig deep beyond that and you say like, look, now we deal with an Apple and client base and a lot of them, we tell them there's, you can buy the world's biggest mattress, stuff under the mattress and you would never run out of money. So get that mindset out of your head. Right. And even after that, yeah. you know, we tell them, okay, you can retire tomorrow if you want. And suddenly when they hear that, they, they, they go from, oh, that's, that's been the goal all these years to, oh my God, I can retire tomorrow. I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I'm ready to. And then what happens is when they've retired, so they finally pull that trigger they seem they are so much more concerned about every day-to-day movement in their portfolio than they've ever been. And they start saying things like, well, you know, I'm going to pay close attention to it now. I mean, take a deep breath. Okay, I can understand your anxiety, but what do you think your attention to this fact, to, mm. the, to this portfolio, what do you think is going to change because of that? Like, we're not going to change the strategy because we've, you know, we've been using it. It works. It makes sense. It's, it's all backed by empirical evidence. Like, what is it that you're stressing about this is going to change about the outcome? And more often than not, it's because they have nothing to do right? Like it's the mo- one of the most common, I'm sure every advisor listening to this re- relate that the reason for this really is because they're just not busy enough. And one of the ways they manifest that is, is that suddenly now they got to take control. They control the income in their lives. Now they take control of the investments in their lives. And it's just, it's a couple of years before they finally learn that it's an unproductive, unfruitful exercise for them. So it's an interesting experience that I think we as advisors on this side of the table, we see it. We don't necessarily equate it to the manifestation of the loss of identity, but that's at the core of it all. Anyway, that's my rant on that. So once you've gone through these exercises to help them identify the important aspects of their lives and improve upon their lives, tell me about, I want to be frank about the success stories and the failure stories. Like where, where are the, what are the type of people, like are the commonalities amongst the type of people who come to you and just, it fails, it just doesn't work. And are there commonalities amongst the people that come to you and yeah, you just know from the day you meet them, I'm going to be able to help this person. Yeah, I think that's a good question. Everyone's different. It's all kind of unique. But I think the commonalities, the people that adopt the growth mindset, 
you know, Carol mm-hmm. Dweck's work on a growth mindset. The people that adopt a growth mindset that they can learn, grow, move forward, adjust, deal with the change and all that stuff, they're going to have a better opportunity to move forward. The people that are maybe a little bit more, I don't want to use the word fixed in your ways because that's not necessarily true, but more of a fixed mindset that this is the way it is, more cynical, more playing that victim card that this has happened to me, not for me. The people that think that this has happened to me and there's really, I can't see a path and I feel stuck. There's no one that can help and are super cynical and just believe that they just can't grow beyond this. They may have a tough time, but the people that take that creator's mindset, that more open mindset, growth mindset, they're going to be able to move forward. The people that are more open, the people that are reaching out. And you know what? The people that start working on this stuff sooner than later. I'll bring up a little story here. Uh, Mm -hmm. Client, we'll call him, let's, let's call him Paul. Okay. Not his name, but working with Paul and he's got a decent sized company, somewhere around hundred employees. I think, uh, I don't know what the revenue is right now. I'm not going to guess at that. There's a few companies involved. So anyways, talking to him and he's kind of at that midpoint, Paul's around 40 fish, somewhere around that age. And he had a crisis. Okay. And started wondering, well, do I need to get rid of the business? Is this what's creating all the stress? So I started working with him and we started taking a look at it. And one of the things he looked at is I had him do an exercise to take a look at, well, how much time do you spend in the business? What are, the, what are you basically doing a week inside and outside the business? Okay. So he started realizing, he started coming up with this list of all the things that he does in the business. This is a great exercise for people to do, by the way. He started coming up with a list of uh, things that he did within the business. Okay. And he, we met again the following week and he said, Dave, you know, I, I said, well, what'd you notice? He said, I've got things that other people can be doing. I said, cool. And he was looking for more time to live a life outside of his business. That was kind of the premise because he was kind of stressed out. So he's looking for more time. So he starts doing all this. He recognizes all these tasks other people can do, Jason. And I said, well, what are you going to do? He says, well, I'm going to start seeing if they can start doing it. So again, he goes out there, he comes up with a plan, comes back the next week. I said, what do you notice? He said, well, I went and started talking to these people. He said, not only can they do it, but they're excited to do these tasks that I absolutely dread. Cool. (laughs) So he starts putting that in place and that moves forward. What a month goes by, he comes back and I say, how are things going? He says, well, I've kind of slowed things down. I just, you know, I had people kind of doing this. I says, I don't know what's going on. I just feel stuck. I can't get people to do it. I'm uneasy. And we coached around this for a little while and he came up with the realization. He says, well, these things were filling my time, Dave. So he's looking for time. These things were filling my time. We went a little deeper and he realized I'm scared to have the time because I don't know what to do outside of this. And this was a guy that came to me and it's sometimes a bait and switch how I have to do things, Jason. Okay. I have to let the client just be the client and just move through things because no, he didn't have a problem. He had everything figured out in his personal life and all this stuff, right? He was good. At least he figured he was going through this task to create more time so he could have even more time to live his life. And he realized I don't have enough things in my life that I can do. So anyways, so we start doing that. He starts figuring out all these other things that he can do starts moving forward and we're still kind of working together, but things now are moving much better for him. He's got more things to do, small things, not huge steps, but small things and reconnecting with things that are really important to him. And now what's happening within his business? Again, this guy's 45 years old. What do you think's happening inside of his business with these people that are- It's doing better than it was before. Doing better than in these times right now. People are more engaged. Everything's going yeah. forward. He's starting to live the life that he- wants. He's feeling more comfortable. He's building an identity outside the business. And the result of him building that identity outside the business and having the people inside the business that can do, they can even take more time off. What do you think the result is in terms of transition preparedness? I'll use that word, transition preparedness. 
Well, now he's super prepared for transition because he's worked on his life outside of it. He's also, I like to call, I like to call succession planning the art of making oneself irrelevant. A truly valuable succession plan is one where by the time you're ready to leave, you're no longer needed. And that's fine, right? Like, and you should be happy about that because if the end goal is freeing yourself, then that should be it. I find the succession plans that fail are those people who cannot, whose egos cannot let them go, let themselves basically do something else, right? Or they find someone who's actually better than what they were at doing that, especially in my business as an advisor. Mm. You know, you go, let's imagine you find a, an advisor, you go, oh, this, this person I thought I was going to train was actually better at this than I ever was. And then suddenly they feel mm. like, but if I do that, I'm going to look, if I transition to this person, I'm actually going to look bad, right? Like mm. that happens all the time, right? So getting your ego out of the way is the most important thing. And I, I think I said before, the thinking that there isn't, someone that you're the best at everything and there isn't somebody so let's call it let's let's look at the the olympics right the men and women who win the gold medal in the decathlon they are the best all-round mm. athletes in the world could they win a single gold medal in the individual uh, individual uh different uh categories of the 10 things they do heck no in fact they typically wouldn't make the finals so the generalist versus the specialist is a very two very different things and if you're scaling the business, you start building a team of specialists as opposed to generalists. So yeah, exactly. If you do that over a line up period of time, by the time you're ready to exit, it's like, it's done. It's not even a question. Way better. So coming back to the question you asked, which type of people have success? It's like this client here, the people that are open to explore these questions, to explore the deeper questions, the why behind it, like for this one client, why, why is it that he started feeling uncomfortable? He was, he was willing to explore that you know, and, and get a little vulnerable. So I create mm -hmm. that safe space for people where they can explore and go a little deeper. So to answer the question, which clients do I find have a better chance of creating this life outside the business? I think it's the ones that really are willing to open it up, open up to the question and do the deep inner work that's going to be required to build that identity. Yeah, it's, once it's that funny. Identity, yeah, let's say the identity, it's easier, right? It's funny. I have, um, I've done strategic coach training uh, with Dan Sullivan and it's, one of the things that they have there is a, a, a basic construct of free days, focus days, and flex days. And mm. one of the first things they make you do is that you have to take free day. You have to take at least one free day per week, end of story. And that free day involves you not looking at anything to do with work, thinking about work, get away with it, like get away from it. And it was funny because like, I'm like, okay, no problem. Like I'm, I'm good to go. But the number of people in that room who struggled with that and the like, like I was like, why are we dwelling on this for two hours? Right? Like just stop working for, for a day. And they'd be like, but like, so I, I can't look at my email. Like I shouldn't look at, but how do I stop thinking about my, like, it's just, they could not get outside of it. And it was, you could see visual, you could see distress in just the concept of it. That's how attached these people were. For some of us, it was like, yeah, no problem, whatever. Right. And it's funny just to share another personal example of my story. Like I'm involved in a ton of things, right? Like I've got my core business, which was working very well. I've got the podcasting, blogging, volunteer association, working industry, fintech stuff. And everybody's just like, and I've got, got a wife and two kids who still choose to love me and stay with me despite all the stuff <laughs> I do. Um, you know, and everybody's just like, awesome. how in God's name, do you do all that? And I'm like, why is it you seem to think that I actually do all the work? I don't think you understand this. Like I work on if making my business, my business, my core business, super efficient. It gets down to the point where I can take something else on that, I, that, that I, I'm passionate about. And then I make that highly streamlined and efficient. And just like the family time is always there. Right. And that, you know, every now and then it gets in, it gets poked upon, but it, my wife makes sure that there's enough of it there. Otherwise she tells me there's not enough. So yeah, so it's it's, it's it's a matter of there's always a better, faster, stronger way to do things. And if there is, and and frankly, if you can't automate it, give it to someone else. Like there's probably someone else who's going to be better sure. at it. Well, and then have the security. I mean, if you think about it, what allows you? You know, you talk about that. The people that were having the challenge, taking that day off. 
the people that have the challenge letting go or letting someone else do it. I don't know. What is, what is the strength that you have or what's the value that you rely on or whatever it might be, Jason, that allows you to do that? Yeah. I mean, that's defining that. And, and one of the other things he focuses on is the idea that we have it backwards. And what he means by we have it backwards is we work ourselves to the point of like exhaustion, then go on vacation. We come back, right. we're, super highly produ- we're super highly productive. And then we work ourselves until exhaustion when we need another vacation. And he's like, think of it differently. Like if you focus on, I'm going to take the vacation first to be productive. And then before I go over that cliff, I'm going to take another vacation so I can come back and be more productive. Because, you know, it's the old saying, if, if, you're, if you're surrounded by, if you think everybody around you is an idiot, odds are they're not. You're just basically overstressed. Like you've gotten to the point when you find yourself saying, Everyone, no one can do anything right except me. Like, check your ego. It's actually you that basically exactly. needs to start looking at things differently. So, before we go, I want you to talk about your book. Tell me about your book, sure. what it is you're trying to accomplish with it, and when it comes out. Yeah, the book, um, uh, hopefully, it's coming out here in the next, mm, I'd say, month or so, or just in the final stages of typeset. What I'm trying to accomplish with it, the book is called Numb, Numb with a Question Mark. And it's really to those, um, those business owners out there that business owners, career professionals, or just anyone out there that's just stuck on that hedonic treadmill, just going around Mm. in circles and circles and just chasing happiness for the sake of chasing happiness, happiness around that corner. So the book is really there and it it talks about my journey. It talks about what's kind of worked for me, some of the stuff that I've read, my own take on it. It talks about those four stages, you know, where are you now? Where do you get to? How do you get there? How do you keep on track? And then for business owners, it breaks it down into what I think is the most valuable, the biggest value ever, at least within an organization is a business owner who understands who they are both inside the business and outside the business. So it's a way, the book is a practical method for you to create a little bit of a strategic plan for your ideal life, your ideal business, and your ideal transition. So at the the first part of the book is kind of talking about you know, what led up to it. And the second part of the book is a workbook that can help you go through creating a little bit of a plan for your ideal life, your ideal business, and your ideal transition, which really for a business owner, those are three legs on a stool. You have to have a good plan for your life. You have to have a good plan for your business. So it creates the value to support that life and allows you to live that life and practice it like we talked about. And you still have to have a good transition plan in place so that when the time comes, you can extract that capital out of the business so that you can move on to the next stage of your ideal life. So that's kind of what the book's about. And yeah, hopefully within the next month, I can be there. You can, yeah, it's, uh, I'm excited about it. Excited, nervous. It's, it's, a, it's a big job to create a book and uh, it's been a little bit of a, a process and it's a bit of a process just to put yourself out there and talk about well, your own journey, right? Yeah. I mean, you expose yourself quite well, but I mean, I think nothing, nothing resonates with people more than hearing someone's actually been through it compared to anything else. Mm. Uh, and I will say this much, and I think I said it before here, I said it elsewhere. Someone who does a lot of writing. Every time I think of writing a book, I understand more and more why Hemingway became an alcoholic. It is a painful, painful <laughs> ordeal. So with that, Dave, I want to thank you for, for the sincere conversation for a very important one. And I'm sure, you know, for anyone who feels like this is sounding familiar to them in terms of the negative aspects of this, I highly suggest you pick up Dave's book. And, and where can people find you? Sure, they can find me. Uh, probably the best website. I'm probably the best website to find me at right now is just davesinclair.ca. I'm slowly okay. transitioning everything over to that website right now. I still have the website businesstransitionsplus.ca too as well. But davesinclair.ca, you can find the book on there. You can reach out. You can book a discovery session with me, a complimentary discovery session if if this sounds like it's relevant. So yeah, by all means, reach out. Fantastic. I love topics. I love having them. It's kind of my journey to help people see that the, the destination can be fulfilling, a little bit more fulfilling, but more importantly, that the journey and the destination can be both fulfilling along the way. So, Excellent. 
Well, thank you very much, Dave. And I'd like to thank everybody for coming out and for listening to this podcast. And uh, thanks for Dave uh, coming out and sharing such an intimate story. So for those of you who uh, enjoy this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. And until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals, business owners, and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca. You can even ask Surrey, Alexa, or Google Home to subscribe for you. 